Prior to recording this podcast, your hosts, my husband Doug and my brother-in-law Mark, texted each other three topics, mostly related to the Utah Jazz. They will discuss these topics in three segments, modeled after the Hinsey growth theory. Research shows that Hinsey boys grow in three sequential segments, head, limbs, and torso. The first segment of this podcast, like a Hinsey boy head, tries to be thoughtful and is a little too big, too early. The second segment, like their lanky limbs, is the longest, gets kind of goofy, and at times might flail a bit. The third segment, like their torsos, comes last and might not fully form. Lastly, if we're lucky, there might also be a bonus and one segment at the end. For more details on Hinsey male growth theory and the format and origin of this podcast, see episode one. Now, on to episode three. All right, this is Twos and Threes, a podcast about the Utah Jazz and stuff that you might like if you like the Utah Jazz. I'm Marcus Hensi, and with me is my brother, Doug. Doug, how's it going? What's up? I'm good. You know, we've we've been really honing in our skills on this podcast, and um, we've been taking in some tips that, you know, people just wanted to hear me a little bit louder. So <laughs> The people have been clamoring for you um and for me to be a little quieter and so <laughs> we're doing it we've jumped we've taken leaps and bounds technologically to the point where we're both actually recording directly in this app and i don't know like we're you're big time now doug we're big time um i'm feeling good about it you know i'd just like to thank the academy for this no, <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> i just saying look look like we're we're three weeks in we've made it three weeks in we've lasted longer than any shred of hope that any broncos fan had for joe flacco or that season so let's not let it get to our heads um we have more we have more episodes than bronco wins this season so that's that's gotta i mean i don't know how much that's all right well let's we'll get into that later let's let's get into happier thoughts so let's just jump right in doug to segment one of twos and threes uh can you kick us off Yep. Okay. So I want to start off and I think this is really funny. I don't, well, I don't know, funny, um, interesting, sad, every emotion, but Jeez. Right. Mark, Mark and I are both active Twitter sports people. And honestly, it's like, it's become my new venue for sports news and for sports expression as well. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to the state of Utah sports wise this weekend because it's anyone that follows sports in the state of utah is feeling a lot better this week which means twitter is going to be a lot more comfortable probably (laughs) um utah won utah state destroyed byu won and real salt lake won so that was pretty cool um but so what what no it's a banner weekend really like yeah yeah, totally be a happier day in the twitter twitter sphere so, but I just want to get your opinion on this. I just feel like people on Twitter, their emotions, it's its like Twitter is where people share their truest emotions in the most open way. Like, I believe it. Yes. Because I think that's true for myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever seen those things? And by the way, I love this. And you, all you texted me today for those listening was 
Twitter and sports, you'll be ready. Smiley face. So I've just been super <laughs> excited to hear what you were going to say. But, you know, do you ever see those things that's like the pictures and it's like one famous actor and it's like me on LinkedIn versus me on Facebook versus me on Instagram versus me on Twitter? Yeah. Like there was a Shannon Sharp one that you just made me think of that's my favorite that's like me on LinkedIn and it's like him on on First Take or, or that, whatever that show is with Skip Bayless. And he's like all in his tie and stuff. And then there's like me on Twitter and it's like he's wearing like a do-rag and has like the cigarette in his mouth or something. It's really that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I just feel like, that's, well, I mean, it's probably with everyone's sports everywhere, but whenever anything goes wrong or anything is awesome, it's like every sports team that you follow is going to win whatever championship they're going for or they're going to lose the rest of their games. <laughs> yeah, and I know some people sometimes complain because on Twitter there's a lot of people who, you know, have an a- avatar that's not their actual face and a, and a name that's not their actual name. I've been guilty of both those things in the past. And uh, and so they maybe feel a little more freedom to do it. I've also seen people tweet stuff like, oh man, nobody that knows me in real life follows me on Twitter. So I'm <laughs> yeah. the same on here. But I think it's the fun, I do think it's kind of the most real-time conversation of any, you know, social media that I engage with. And I, I don't know, makes in the sort of in the moment, like I'm just going to say exactly what I'm thinking uh, does keep it spicy. It makes it fun. Oh yeah. It's honestly, I, I love to get like my sports fix, but it also gives me a good laugh. But then it's also like this weird community, like you said, of people you don't know, but like you feel this weird kinship toward. I don't know. Totally, awesome. Yeah, there's a bunch of people. I mean, we, we were in our little social media moment thing. We're always referring to people we've never met in, in real life, <laughs> but that bring us joy in Twitter. And sometimes it gets nasty because of that. But um, I don't know. For the most part, it's it just makes me makes me happy. Yeah, but I, I just thought I'd give Twitter a shout out as my second segment one. Cool, I like that. it. I like it. So my my segment going into that, I'll just go off of that. It's this this is born out of me freaking out on Twitter. This is born out of a, a real life experience of what you're doing. But it's just, I mean, what I texted you was just defense question mark. Does it even matter? Can we stop right. playing? Have we learned anything from the preseason about either? It's just kind of funny because you know we've dedicated a significant chunk of the first two podcasts that we've done to touting, you know, the value of defense pretty much through talking about how much we love Rudy, Rudy Gobert and, and how much he matters. And then we're watching preseason and the Jazz cannot guard anyone, you know, and it's so it's preseason, but they can't like everybody's scoring at like historic rates against them. Um, and Rudy has seemed like he's maybe kind of, you know, coasting a little bit on that end, but nobody stopped me. So I found myself like, coming on this podcast with you and being like defense matters like Rudy's the top 10 player in the league people don't think about defense he's like Steph Curry of defense and then like I'm watching the preseason I'm like well the offense looks good like this preseason I mean does defense really matter like (laughs) right but uh, like I I guess my question for you is like watching this are you concerned about the Jazz ability to defend we we lost Jay Crowder who I think you know there's some advanced metrics that might go the other way, but is it above average defender for his position? Ricky Rubio is actually a lot bigger than people think for his position and a solid defender. And uh, obviously the big one is Derek favors. Who's, you know, one of the best five, maybe defensive centers in the NBA. And he was just on the team with the best one. So are we going to guard people or are you worried? 
<laughs> yeah, so like a very honest, straightforward take. I didn't realize how nervous I would be about replacing Derek Favors. So that's my one like legit, uh, straightforward. Just yeah. watching this, I because I mean the Jazz always had a starting level center on the court and someone who played killer defense and just owned the paint, you know. But yeah. Um, I think, I think, like you said, I think the offense is going to be really good and I think everyone's going to figure their stuff out. Um, I was, so I was listening to, I was listening to the radio and they were interviewing Mike Conley and he was talking about the difference of playing um, the Grizzlies to the jazz and having Rudy go Rudy in the paint versus um, like Mark Gasol or Zebo or someone like that. Right. And and he talked about how Rudy just told him to let his guy go and then to box out, like, whoever Rudy was supposed to be guarding or cover Rudy's guy and how that's just, like, this huge shift. And I, I feel like I was, like, really anxious at first about, like, oh, how's, how's this all going to work out? But I, I just think it's going to take, like, a little learning curve. Like, literally, Mike Conley's been doing this for 11 years in a, in a different right. Totally. So he has to adjust. But yeah, that's a no. Sorry. So um, Derek's my big my big fear that the paint when Rudy's not there. But other than that, I think it's it's going to be good. Yeah. So I mean, on Derek Favors, it's kind of like he was like a break in case of emergency kind of guy too. Sometimes, right? Like he jumps in and saves us against the Clippers in the playoffs a few years ago. He jumps in in the playoffs last year. Like he, there was always like the big game, and then when he wasn't there, it was just like, yeah, he's the defensive numbers for him and Rudy together were just incomprehensible. They were so good. Um, but that's funny what you said about Mike Conley. I didn't see that interview, but I, I saw a similar thing with Jeff Green where he was like, yeah, we're learning a lot of new terminology. So I guess Quinn's defensive system, uh, George Niang said something like this too. Like they just have a lot of new terms that people are learning. And Jeff said the same thing. He's like, you're, you're not used to with Rudy you don't help as much as you do on other teams because he covers it up. So you have to like unlearn what you've learned kind of a thing. Right. And, and so that also gave me comfort. It's like, here's the thing preseason. If you're going to be a little lackluster on one end, it's probably defense and yeah. B it's a lot of guys uh, learning a new system. Also, I, I was like thinking about this and I saw like this guy who I, I like on Twitter, speaking of people, Trey Toupay, I, I think you probably follow him too, but he tweeted something that was like showing Boyan Bogdanovich's numbers shooting in the preseason versus the regular season from the last three years. And it's like every year he's terrible in the preseason, apparently. Oh, right. And I was that's like, good. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's good. And I was taking a lot of comfort, but I was also like, this is so stupid that I'm worrying so much about the preseason because <laughs> it was like, obviously it just doesn't matter that much. And here's my, where I rounded out on this is my theory is just like in the NBA, one person um, has an outsized effect on the game versus like football, soccer, even b baseball, you know, it's like, or hockey. It's like, if you have Steph Curry, your offense is going to be good. Like you're running the risk that Steph Curry gets hurt or you don't have enough people on the bench when he goes on or whatever, but your offense is just going to be good. And so my theory is if you it's the same thing for defense, like people, we lost some guys that are tough, but we didn't lose, you know, Andre Iguodala or something. Like, it's not like we lost like 
all NBA defense guys, although maybe favorites could be. But we still yeah. have Rudy. The defense is going to be good. There's other. I just think the defense is going to be good. I listened to the Bill Simmons, like Joe House, Ryan Russell over under pot, and they were all like way over on the Jazz. And I was just like, and saying like the defense is going to be good. And I just think that's kind of now. I have a similar. If that theory holds true, not to digress too much, but it also makes me think more and more that maybe the Warriors are going to be better. Like if Draymond Green's motivated, because I think Draymond's actually, you know, that kind of a defender too. But we'll see. Uh, but anyways, I, I think the defense is going to be good. So I'm, I'm more optimistic and good grief. Like, let's just get out of the preseason, right? I, like, right. Oh, like, God. Season to start. Um, so let's also get, get out of this segment one, um, because I think that transitions to your, the second thing you texted me. Yeah, totally. So, so the second thing I texted you and that I wanted to talk about was piggybacking on your thoughts on the preseason going into the first 10 games. And when I texted you this, maybe I hadn't really done as much digging as I was going to, but I, cause I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to make the super bowl prediction preseason 10 and 0, shaky, baby. bad. And I'm going to be like, okay, we're going to start off hot nine and one, 10 and 0. And yeah. I've made like a few tweets about losing all preseason games, but winning all regular season games. So, um, right. I mean, you're in on that, (laughs) but, and then, and after I sent you that text, I pulled up the first 10 games. Dude, the 10 games are brutal. Yeah. (laughs) I've seen a lot of stuff of people saying like they could be 500 or worse after the first 10 games or even more and stuff. So yeah, I'm curious for your thoughts on this. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, I'm going to count in, just in this scenario. I'm counting the Kings as – I mean, they're a potential playoff team. I don't, I don't know. If I agree. Class, but they're potential for sure. Honestly, Absolutely. the only non-playoff team that the Jazz – oh, teams that the, the Jazz play in the first 10 games are the Thunder. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. Um, that's game one. So, 1-0, I, ta- I would take the Jazz 1-0. Yeah. And then they play the Suns which is a Ricky Rubio revenge game in, in Arizona. In yeah. And, I, I mean, those are games they should win. I think here's my, here's my hot take. I don't think it's that hot. But that's a, I think a, if the Jazz are 6-4, and four, I'm, I'm pretty, like, I'm feeling real good at 6-4 and four, so. That's I, I agree with that. I, well, I th- I agree with your statement. My prediction for the top first ten is a little different, but I agree. First, I just want to say all caps. The Suns, come on, man! Like not come on, man, to you, but the Suns Twitter comes after Jazz Twitter so much on this whole like Devin Booker is better than Donovan Mitchell thing. It's so dumb because the Suns <laughs> won like four games in the last twenty five years, and Devin Booker right. scores eighty five points a game in games where his team loses by sixty. All all stats I'm willing for people to fact check. Um, but anyways, but I, the, the Rubio revenge game thing, I actually didn't think about before. And that's, that does make me a little nervous. I feel like he maybe got, he got his revenge by being the FIBA world cup MVP and, and Donovan and Rudy and Joe all not making it to the finals, but yeah. So I'm with you. I, this is that this is a hard stretch. I'm in looking at it. This is, I guess maybe here's one reason why I think I'm more uh, I'm one game more optimistic than you. I think there's three losses here. Um, okay. So here's the thing: like the Thunder win Friday versus the Lakers is kind of the one that could go either way for me because it's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be LeBron and Anthony Davis, assuming they're both you know healthy, which it looks like they will be. 
that's gonna but it's also gonna be the jazz being like this is our chance to make a statement game and i i really don't think that lakers team's gonna be as good as people think um but i so i'm chalking that up as a win um but we play the clippers twice and we play the kings twice and i just think we're gonna lose one against each of them i'm not sure that's i was thinking that too if it's away so there's there's two losses um and we do play the Clippers twice without Paul George, which is a great stroke of luck, but it's also like, I don't know, you know, that team's really deep. They're good. They're going to be motivated this year. So I'm, I'm just trying to be really realistic. And then the other hairy stretch for me is the, is the playing at Philly and at, or playing Philly and Milwaukee, both at home, but on a Wednesday, Friday, there's day in between. So I just think they're, I just, Milwaukee scares me Uh, in the regular season last year. They looked like the best team in the NBA to me. I, I didn't think they were going to be the Warriors in the finals, but they're yeah. scary. They're so athletic. You know, they just come in waves. I'm back the same team, though, too. Yes. So, I mean, they've, they, I mean, they look so good. Yeah, they look, the preseason, they looked awesome. Yeah, totally. I feel like they're a team that could be like 15-1 and one to start the season, and you're not surprised at all. So I just think that's going to be a, a great game. I'm, I'm super excited about it, but it scares me. I'm counting that as a loss. I think we'll beat Philly because they're also kind of figuring it out. And then the other yeah. sort of iffy game is the Warriors here. But guess what, Doug? I'm going to be there. So I already got tickets. <laughs> going with some friends from my own firm. And so I'm going to influence the out- outcome in that one. So that's going to oh, get nice. us to seven and three. Um, and I, I, but if it was six and four, I'd feel great. Honestly, if it was five and five, I'd be okay. But this, this segues into my second thing, right? right. Actually, that I texted you which I asked you to think of, and I thought of a, a wish list of three things for the regular season, which we're talking regular season now, and man, that makes me happy. I'm just excited for this. But so- Can't wait for Wednesday. Oh, man. So the, the, the caveat, this is either team or individual things on the Jazz, three things that you have a wish list for this season. I'm trying to aim for things a little less obvious than like we get the one seed and like Donovan's MVP and Rudy's defensive player of the year or something, but it's fine if any of those are on your thing. Uh, But, but just going along with this, my first wish is this, Doug, I just want to always be in the playoff picture this whole season. Like (laughs) you and I have been talking about how the jazz are, could fight for the one seed, but the West is hairy. So they could go all the way down to maybe five in that range. But the last two years, the season has started off terrible. The schedule has been horrible. Like they've had the hardest strength of schedule for the first half of the season. And it's, it's been me like at the wee hours of the night going to basketballreference.com and ESPN playoff probabilities and 538 and looking at their algorithms that predict the rest of the season and just being like, okay, we're nine games under 500 and we're 14th seed, but we're predicted to finish with 50 wins and we're going to figure ones. And I'm just like trying to convince myself that that's real. And it turned out to be real both times, but it's just too stressful. And I just can't take it. I just want, so that's why like coming out of these first 10 games, if we're 500, okay. But this team has, has gone, they pushed the chips into the table. Four and six, isn't going to cut it. Like I don't ever want to look up even after like four games. I don't want to go on to the standings and see the jazz in 13th place. Like, Let's just be in the playoff picture the whole time. That's my first wish. I I, I think that's one hundred percent a good first wish. That's why I wanted. <laughs> that's why I wanted to give the most bold first ten game. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't that bold. But 
Um, okay, can I? Should I? No, go but think, first yeah, you go. Give me your your first wish. Okay, so my first wish is more on an individual basis. I want um, Royce O'Neal to take the place of my of Jay Crowder on defense and Kyle Korver on offense. I love that. <laughs> so I'm saying I I I would love to see him around like high 30% sniffing 40% for from three for the season. And I would love to see him just like push over a couple dudes in the first 15 games. For sure. He needs to be that role. Like remember the first time Jay Crowder like ran and like got in someone's face after they pushed Donovan or something. I don't even remember the game. I just remember watching this and seeing it happen and being like, Gordon Hayward would never do that. <laughs> and we we need Royce to be that guy. I, so when you first said that, I was like, whoa. I, I can see him being the Jay Crowder role, although not to undervalue Jay there. Like, I think that that kind of person's important for a team. The Kyle Korver, at first, you said that. And I was like, whoa, that's a pretty tall task. But if you think about it, Kyle Korver's degree of difficulty on his three-point shooting was always insane, right? Because they're, right. they're, as soon as he walked on the floor, they're guarding him like – so. If, Royce is going to get a lot of open shots. He's going right. to get Jay Crowder kind of open shots just because if Wells is there. And so if he can approach the percentage that Kyle shoots on his shot, that actually, that would be like amazing. But that's not, you know, super unrealistic. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a, I mean, the for Kyle Corver last year, him and Royce O'Neill were shooting at practice. Right. And, and they took, I I think it was Dave Block, but maybe someone else talked about his percentages of shooting since he was shooting with Kyle Korver and how, like he went on a streak and then he cooled off a little bit more to the towards the end of the season. But he went on a streak of like twenty games where he was hitting at such a high clip, like all of his threes were going down. And in the preseason, I think he was, I think he's looked really good from three. I think he did. Yes. I think he has the skill set. I like it. All right. My second one is also on an individual level. And to, to bring it in, I'm going to play you something, Doug. I'm, oh, I'm nice. looking to it. It's short, but it's a blaster in the past. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Nice sneakers, Dante. Hey, what do they call sneakers in England? I'm actually Australian. What do they call sneakers in Australia? Runners. So you're a runner? Me too. No. I play basketball. I'm a point guard. Okay. Dante, Could you hear that? Oh, yeah. All right. So that was, that was a Dante Exum Footlocker commercial from before the draft oh, really? <laughs> when he was drafted. I'm going to tweet out a link to this because there's like four of them and there's like a minute and a half long altogether one. That one was funny to me. Look, man, I, the real, this is not a super out there take if you're in jazz fandom for a wish list. In fact, it's the wish every year, but this is what I wish. I wish that I know he's not going to play a lot at the beginning because he's running in a form. I want like a healthy stretch of Dante Exum from January to the end uh, or, or hopefully sooner. But, but if he's like, you know, in and out of the lineup for a while, I just want that. Let's find out if he's good. Right. He, I want next year there to be a footlocker commercial again, because Dante Exum has become so relevant. Um, it's just so much untapped potential. I don't think it needs to be rehashed. So I'm just going to say that I, I, I want a healthy, stretch for Dante because I also think the recipe for a really good defense gets a lot a lot better when he's in the mix 
Oh man, we our our desires are intertwined because literally my second it. one was <laughs> I want Dante to be amazing. <laughs> I was I was on Twitter the other day and there's this one guy, I don't know if I really respect his Twitter takes anymore, but he's a jazz fan and so he was like I he said something and I, I don't say his name just in case he randomly listens to us, but <laughs> um, he said, like, I want Dante to be, like, the MVP of the Jets, or, like, something ridiculous. Yeah. And this one other guy that I think we both follow, and I, I'm, like, I just started following him, and I love his takes. Um, but he's a Jets fan, too, and he's like, this is ridiculous. I just want Dante to be healthy and, like, to be a solid six man. And yes. And if Dante is a solid six man, oh gosh, that's just like, like you said, like defensively that adds. I just want him to look not awkward on offense. Like, I know, and I felt like he's had stretches where he's gotten there, but he's somebody who needs rhythm. Like he needs consecutive reps playing for like weeks before he gets there on offense. the The tough thing is, is like there's a small contingency among us probably who think if Dante were healthy, like really healthy for a while, he's probably, he at least has potential to be better than a solid six man. Right. I mean, that's the tantalizing thing about him, which is why that first take is silly. Obviously it's silly. He's not going to be the MVP of the jazz, but his potential to be a really important piece is there, but it's like, it's never going to happen if he's not healthy. And like, if we could just get him as a six man, that'd be great. So I don't know. Well, hopefully uh, good things for him this year yeah one thing i just okay really fast i just wish this you don't even have to comment i just wish his his shot was a little bit higher his shot's so low and it just doesn't look right but i I love that because i love breaking down weird things about nba player shots all i'll say is i remember hearing something from david Locke. i think that that he's reworked his jump shot in the offseason because it's all he's been able to do for was able to do for a while and that it looks different he didn't say anything about the hider or anything, so I'm I'm curious. I haven't seen him shoot since last year, so maybe yeah. it's maybe it's higher. But I I used to say that about Kevin Durant, and it, it turns out that he's okay, but uh, Dante's not seven feet tall. Um, yeah. All right, so here's my third thing. I want this is, goes back to our first podcast, so I won't belabor it. I want a new Quinn Snyder hugging memory with one of the new guys. I just want <laughs> like a Mike Conley in an Green. emotional game. But Jeff Green seems like that maybe the best candidate. I don't know who it would be against, but I just want Quinn hugging Jeff Green after he does something amazing, like a, a super effort play to win a game. Um, my only caveat, too, is uh, I'd also be fine with it being Dante. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it. That's my third one. I, I love that. Uh, I, th- I think that's needed, too. Okay. Um, and that goes into my social media moment, but we're going to – hold back for a little bit um so my third one is i just want donovan and mike conley to be best friends <laughs> i love i think you're gonna get that one i i, I love right. their buddy comedy. And, and that's why i put it as my third i just yeah. love when they take pictures together you know i just think i love when, like, when the team's together and it makes me feel like i'm a part of their friendship and and yes in a basketball sense honestly though i just i there's this amazing world where they completely mesh together and both of them become like the most efficient, best versions of themselves. And I think it could just be next level. And obviously that's why I'm like, 
I think the Jazz are a contender and stuff. But I, if they reach the best version of themselves together by the end of the season, that then obviously the season's a success and the Jazz go far. Agreed 100%. That, that's, that's the, a perfect encapsulation of what the, the ceiling is, you know, and yeah. what's, what's required to get there. I agree. All right. Let's jump into segment three. Okay. Um, so segment three is our social media moment. We've been doing this each time. We're going to keep up with it. Um, so I'm going to go first. Once again, I'm going to cheat on the rules a little bit, Doug. Um, and I'm going to give you my least favorite moment and my favorite moment and one that I like. Is that <laughs> okay, cool? fair enough. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be a downer, but I just read this thing and it's stuck in my craw for a little while. And I've just, you know, whatever. We have our little small platform here with whoever's going to listen. I'm just going to say what I think about something. So I saw this guy, I'm not going to name him, kind of like your other thing, um, just because I'm not out here to call out people, but it just represents a, a line of talking that sometimes comes out on Twitter that, that I, I wish would stop. So, oh, no, so this, person, about. this person during the last jazz game, um, there, was a, there was a female referee and, and tweeted, not trying to be sexist, but female refs always in their feelings. Um, get the hell out of here with that with that BS. I'm trying to not swear too much, <laughs> but, but I, I don't like that at all. Um, first of all, anytime you start something with not trying to be like insert sexist, insert offensive, insert race, insert whatever you're going to be. So just stop. Don't say it. Uh, right. Secondly, we don't need this anymore. Like if a ref is not a good ref and is like, like, let's think of, the Joey Crawford um, relationship with Tim Duncan. He was all in his feelings. We didn't talk about it like that. Like if you want to criticize somebody for their performance, um, this just made me think about when Doris Burke first started announcing games. And I heard on sports talk radio, somebody just be like, not for me. Don't like it. And it was like, what? And David Locke was like defending her. And now I think the consensus would be Doris Burke's the best. Like, oh, or she's at least the among them, it's like Doris Burke, Mike Breen, Van Gundy in the NBA. She's but to think of everything she's had to do to get to that point and all the stupid crap like this that she's had to live with or the fact that like the smartest organization in, in the sport, the Spurs have hired Becky Hammond as an assistant coach. Like, this is going to move that way. Like if you have the talent to do something, then you should be able to do it. And if you're going to you know, criticize somebody for their performance. Totally fine. If Doris Burke, if you don't like, um, you know, a point she makes, I, I'm not saying you defend her regardless. I, I just think she's, she's the best. And this referee, I don't know if the technical was too quick. It's preseason. Honestly, I wasn't paying that much attention, but just when I saw that, I was like, it just bugged me the number of people that liked it too and stuff. So that's social media. I, that's a bad side, whatever. Um, so there's my rant. There's my soapbox. Um, yeah that's me... social media yeah so let me give a, a more feel-good one now that i got that out of my system <laughs> this kind of goes along with my um one last week on zion's national park or zion's william <laughs> yeah. um but so this uh this woman uh at tear bear t-a-r-e-b-e-a-r tara i'm not sure who she is just followed her from being part of jazz twitter uh, she tweeted, Zach Collins looks like he grew up in Alpine, Utah. Zach Collins is a, is a center forward for the Trailblazers. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. funny. 
<laughs> and then I, I somebody else did something like he looks like he just came off his mission from Argentina or something. Which was pretty funny. But then and this other guy who's also his his Twitter name is Conley Mitchell Backcourt, and it's like at, at PJ on a bike. But he replied and said, then his name would be Zach Collins, Z A A K K Collins. And, uh, <laughs> The first one was a great setup, and he spiked it home. So that was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, okay, so my social media take on also a more lighthearted note, someone near and dear to our hearts, Quinn Snyder. So he just got the big – he just got a long-term contract extension with the Jazz, which is uh, awesome. Uh, awesome. Something we should definitely be talking about. I'm, I don't think they've released any of the, like, find details or at least i haven't read any, any have you, have you no it? i same i they just said multiple years and he has two years left so people are like oh it's he's at least here for four more years i hope it's 40 million yeah <laughs> i mean i think that's what it's gonna be but so slc done 40 million years uh, i don't know yep. what the dollar <laughs> yeah Keep him forever. Uh, yeah that's a- can we put him in a trust fund can gail miller put him in a trust fund so he can never leave like the like the jazz Probably do some research on that, Doug. Please, no. Yale can do anything. <laughs> All right, but okay. So, SLC Dunk um, tweeted this out and it said, In celebration of Utah Jazz giving Quinn Snyder a long term contract, here's 25 pictures of Quinn Snyder looking like an axe murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see oh, that. Oh, oh man, it would go to my Twitter. I retweet I'll go. It. I'll go. Okay, it's, it's hilarious. Here's the thing I love Quinn Snyder, but. The other thing is, like, sometimes his hair's, like, looking greasy. He's got uh, – he has amazing facial expressions. Like, I think he could be – I mean, just, like, okay, you, if you listen to our podcast last week, Grandma said, Quinn Snyder, he did it all with his eyes. Shout out to you, Grandma. Grandma, she's probably on SLC Dunk. She probably made this. <laughs> First of but, all, if you didn't listen to that part of our podcast, just do, do us that one favor. Go to the end. Fast forward. It was the single best – two minute stretch of our podcast uh neither of us were involved it was just grandma talking about quinn snyder it was really good i agree with everything did you see that thing like in in zach lowe's thing about the jazz and that tears of the nba i think i think that was where he wrote something oh no he writes a thing about like the most entertaining teams to watch on nba league pass and he's got a sentence in there about the jazz that's like quinn snyder um, turn down the role for the Joker or something like that. Oh, gosh, yeah, uh, it was really good. It. I wish I could remember exactly what it was. It, but... it was something along those lines. Yeah. I, I love that. I need to go find that right now. Yesterday was a busy day with youth soccer for me, so I, I, I missed that. So I'm going to go check it out. Here's one thing. One thing. I'll just just decide. Quinn Snyder is awesome, man. If he takes any offense to this, then I would never say anything about him looking like an axe murderer again, but he's a pretty lighthearted <laughs> dude. I think and, he's in. I think he likes it. I think, he, I, I, yeah, I think I, I, if he listens I, to this, I think you, your potential friendship only becomes, you know, more likely. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I, Quinn, I would never want to offend you. So please, please. He's the, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, you you have my take. He's my favorite coach in any professional sport ever. And I, I hope it was as long as possible. Uh, I, I was so stoked to see that. All 40 right. years. 40, 40 million D years, uh, however many we can get. Um, okay, so that's the three segments. Um, let's just, uh, we'll find out. Here's my other wish list is that we figure out who our four-point play guy is this year, but we're still Jay Crowdering it. We're still hating James Harden and his one-foot-three. But here's our and-one segment for our four-point play. Um, 
I'll start on this one. And this is just an obituary to what I was calling the twos and threes reverse jinx that we put on the Broncos. So our first podcast, we both talked about how depressed we were that the Denver Broncos hadn't won in like nine games and we're losing in spectacular fashion every week. And Von Miller's prime is getting wasted away and Bradley Chubb got hurt and all this stuff. And then they proceeded to win two games in a row. Um, we didn't talk about it much, but I was getting a little excited. And then, and then Thursday night football comes around and I'm like, Mahomes, uh, we're not going to win this game. And then when it starts, we get a touchdown right off the bat, mostly because of penalties. And I'm like, did we reverse jinx them into being good? Like, <laughs> maybe we did. And then, and then we make the extra point, the call penalty. We go up to the one-yard line, go for two, get stuffed on the worst play call ever. Like, our smallest running back, whom I love, Lindsay, we decide to run off tackle, and it's like, that didn't work. And it's 6 nothing versus Mahomes, and I'm like, we're done. And then Mahomes gets hurt. Right. And then sleepy Joe Flacco, looking like 12 p.m. on a Friday, like, Jay Cutler just trying to survive he it was a lot of Jay Cutler memories coming back to me yeah and he just looked like he wanted to get out of there and I was like oh he was done so my only I don't have any hope Doug I tried to I was thinking of this spin like well every time we do a podcast before the game they win um and this time they did it the game was on Thursday we should have moved the podcast what were we thinking uh, but really, I'm just out. I'm out on this whole thing. Like, I just did. They, if they don't, just don't trade Von Miller, John Elway. John Elway, if you're listening to this, I love you. Uh, you've brought me so much happiness in my life. Um, you've been a terrible GM the last few years, though. Don't trade. Don't trade Von Miller, please. Don't trade Von Miller. That's it. Okay. Um, yeah, that's you know. Have you noticed that the Broncos don't make it into our first three takes, but they're they like to slip into our end one. I know to end in a sad note. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this back to Doug Hinsey, circa 2017. It's a good uh, Doug Hinsey. I was in a uh, um, public speaking class, and I gave you my speech over the phone. But I thought about I, this a lot. Since. This is an ode to Trevor Simeon. <laughs> if if you don't follow the Broncos you have no clue who Trevor Simeon is currently the backup quarterback I think he's injured of the Jets he's probably like third string now because he played like a, a quarter when Sam Darnold was out and then got injured but man all our listeners all our listeners who graduated from Northwestern probably remember him fondly I right. think we've got a big extension. yeah yeah we've got a big big Northwestern following for sure but <laughs> The Broncos just can't have a good quarterback, man. That's mediocrity. And Trevor Simeon, dude, I love that guy. He was, I think he was a six-round pick, might be wrong, but or seventh. I, um, but I just, I just want to let Trevor Simeon know that I never gave up on him as a Bronco, and every move we've made since Trevor Simeon, who is the reigning heir to Peyton Manning, if if we want to be honest, he was, he was the last one to be under Peyton's tutelage and of any quarterback in the NFL, which is, which is pretty, pretty high stakes, pretty high praise. Um, but man, okay. With that, if the Broncos trade Chris Harris, Jr., Emmanuel Sanders and Von Miller, if those three guys are not on the team by the end of the season, I'm, I'm never watching the Broncos again until they I'm, have with, a new you. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. I'm like, 
I Emmanuel Sanders is another one, same with Chris Harris Jr., where it's just like, I love these guys. They're they're dynamic. Like when uh, we haven't had a receiver like Emmanuel Sanders in in a while, he makes big plays all the time with terrible quarterback play. And look, yeah. you were a little high on Trevor Simeon than me, but this is what I would say. I think he was the high watermark since Peyton Manning for sure um, that the Broncos have had. And we've since then made move after move where we give something up or pay somebody more to get production. That's less good than Trevor Simeon gave like Trevor Simeon wasn't the problem when he was, he didn't, the receiving core was in flux. The line wasn't good. It's gotten worse and, and they couldn't run the ball. And if we had just his level of output, but yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. Yeah, okay. That's so that's what I was gonna say, but that was that was kind of it, I guess. All right. Well, on a, on a um, more positive note, I wanna say thanks again to everybody who's listened. Uh this continues to be a heck of a lot of fun for for us. Um follow Doug on Twitter at Doug is the name, right? Yep. And me at Mark twos and threes, M A R C two S and three S. Um and what else? Thanks so much to your wife Kylie for the for the cameo at the beginning. Uh, she's awesome yeah um, we'll plug her more maybe down the road but she is a singer songwriter and all her stuff kylie ann is available on itunes check it out she's awesome and uh i think that's it doug anything else yep um just you know on a continuing positive note just look forward to game one you guys jazz thunder this is awesome yeah if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the other stuff i think maybe our three podcasts would be a fun way to get ready for the regular season um, so check them out and we, uh, we're stoked to talk about real basketball going forward. Okay. Keep it real. Okay. Twos and threes. Twos and threes.